Hey, hi, and hello. My name is Mike Aries, and welcome back to Super Beats, the music of heroes and villains. So, this is the week of January 18th, 2023. So, this is the third week of the new year, and third week of the month. So, as always, I'm going to go ahead and run down a section of the comic books that I'm reading. Well, the companies that I'm reading. And it will be DC, as always. So, going into this, we have Monkey Prince, issue number 10. I didn't mind this. It was an okay issue. It uh, ties into the current ongoing event, Lazarus Planet, which essentially is spinning out of Mark Wade's Wrote fine, uh, Mark Wade's uh, Batman slash Superman Rhodes Finest and Batman versus Robin. So Lazarus Planet is spinning out of those two events. Well, out of those two series. Lazarus Planet, for a quick rundown, is the mystical liquid known as the Latin, known as. The missile liquid that is housed in these pits known as the Lazarus Pits has basically erupted all over the planet and due to having due to being enhanced with more magic, things are getting wild for uh, the entire planet. But going forward, we have Monkey Prince issue number 10, which is a tie-in to, like I said, Lazarus Planet. Uh, if you don't know... I personally don't know who Monkey Prince is. I'm only picking this up because it ties into the event. But so far, oh, I do have questions. Like, exactly who is Monkey Prince? Why does he matter? How did he come to be? It's not very vital to anything that I'm currently doing with my reading. Because I know I'm, I know I'm just gonna keep repeating myself. This is only because I need to understand why he's in Lazarus Planet, and this does a good job of explaining why he's in Lazarus Planet. He teamed up with Supergirl, and due to that team up, they're trying to figure. Due to that team up, he helps her out with something, and during that time, he's also witnessing. Oh, okay, cool. Well, I guess I should say this takes place just at just at the beginning slash during the beginning. Well, no, yeah, this takes place at the beginning of Lazarus Planet when all the volcanoes go off and everything's going on. Where you have Supergirl taking charge and telling all the various heroes because Justice League has been disbanded for the short for the time being. But Supergirl's taking charge. He's telling everybody, like, hey, you know what? I've dealt with Devil Naza before, so I'm going to have all these teams running around doing these very specific things. Anyway, Monkey Prince is with her because they were working together in a previous issue for Monkey Prince issue number nine. This is very long-winded. But my main thing with this issue is 
it serves to explain why Monkey Prince is involved in the um, series, is involved in the main event. It does a good job of introducing you to him. And if you don't know who Monkey Prince is, it also does a good job of creating an interest in him. Because I don't want to spoil it, but he looks to be very important with certain characters. Now, overall, this is a mm, this is 2.5 out of 5 for me. I can't give it a 3 only because I don't really understand a whole lot about uh, Marcus Sun, a.k.a. Marcus Marcus Sun, a.k.a. Monkey Prince. Moving on, we have another tie-in issue to Lazarus Planet, Lazarus Planet Assault on Krypton. So, this is interesting because it is a four-split story. It follows Dreamer, John Kent, Power Girl, and who was the last person? Dreamer, John Kent, Power Girl. Who else was it? Who else was it? Who else was it? Who else was it? You know what? I'm pretty sure the more I keep talking about it, it's going to just suddenly click in my head. So, Dreamer actually is a TV first character that came over to comic books. If you watch the CW's Power if no, if you watch the CW's Supergirl, you wouldn't know who Dreamer is. I personally didn't watch the Supergirl show. I was more interested in The Flash at the time. But from my understanding, Dreamer has the ability to essentially dreamwalk, which is injuring people's dreams and helping them out with that. So that's her entire thing. She is called into she's called into the Lazarus Planet event via Batman who's been crippled due well. Yeah, well, crippled, injured, due to fighting a under-controlled, well, a mind-controlled Damian Wayne, who breaks out of mind-control and to realize, like, wow, I really fucked up Batman. So, that's the thing that happened. But, Batman's able to call Dreamer, and with her, with her help, Dreamer, with her help, they find out what the future of the event potentially is, which is if they don't have the Helmet of Fate, which is Dr. Fate Helmet, then all is lost. So, that's a good little introduction to why, to why she's important to this event, and I want to see exactly how she plays out going forward with this. Like I said, we have John, well, that's the first part of the story. You flip over to John Kent, the son of Superman, who is also now being called Superman. That is very weird to hear and even explain to people. But with his thing, he's also being affected by the Lazarus ring in the fact that he's he's exhibiting electrical powers and I believe he's also losing a bit of his powers depending on what he does so his story is that he runs into a thief 
who basically gains powers through being in contact with them. So it's a it's a very weird it's a very weird homage to the Superman animated series where um, what was her name? Where Livewire gets her electrical powers from being in contact with Superman. It's a very weird homage to that. And I don't know why that happened, but going forward with John Kent, it this serves as a jumping on point for his new series, um, The Adventures of Superman, John Kent. So I didn't mind that. It's it is what it is. Let me see now. Oh. I remember who the other person was. So we have Mercy Graves, who is the bodyguard of Lex Luthor. Her story isn't necessarily needed, but I, I'm a sucker for cyborgs. And her entire thing is that due to being struck by the mystical Lazarus Rain, aka Lazarus Lightning, she develops the ability to essentially become a transformer. That's cool. That's interesting. I can't really say nothing about that. I'm interested in how that plays out. I don't know if she's going to have a role in Lazarus, in Lazarus Planet or if she's going to have a role in Action Comics, which is Superman's section of DC. But I'm interested to see how that all plays out. Going with Power Girl. Power Girl's story is... Well, one of the biggest things you got to one of the biggest things you should know about Power Girl is her entire character storyline. Well, her entire character, if you ever seen what Power Girl looks like, she has a hole in the middle of her costume. And it's always been a thing with the writers to have it empty due to the fact that she's trying to find herself. She's trying to be more sure of herself, have the confidence, etc. etc. So, her storyline in this issue, um, Lazarus playing the Assault on Krypton, is essentially her coming to terms with her insecurities and somehow developing telepathic powers because of it. I don't write comic books, I just read them. So I'm, ro I'm rocking with it. I don't think it was super needed, but apparently it's going to be needed in the future. So, I'm ready to see how that plays out. Um, quick little side note before I jump to the next comic. Assault, the reason why this is called Lazarus Planet Assault on Krypton, this particular issue is due to the fact that, um, and it's said in the opening pages of the issue. Apparently, back when Krypton was still a planet, and this is back in the day, there was a prophecy that the volcanoes on Krypton were going to explode. This is unrelated to Superman's planet exploding. This is just like an old time prophecy before the before the planet destruction. So it's more so a homage to that event, which is weird, but whatever. I just read comic books. I'm rocking with it. Going forward, we have. Batman and Superman. Well, Batman slash Superman World's Finest, issue number 11. 
which is hot, and I do mean it is hot, off the t- off the ending of issue number ten, which is the ending of number ten was something that I really enjoyed because there's a character that they show, and this issue. No, I'm not. I'm not going to get into it. I'm not going to get into it. If you read it, you read it. All I can say is, I really want to see if they bring this character back and how they're going to play him off with this alternate version of himself. So, oh, um, actually, jumping back to Assault on Krypton. Assault on Krypton is a three out of five. So, let's go ahead and jump back over to Batman Superman World's Finest, number 11. So, that was good. Uh, we see that the key via psychological drugs and his ability to unlock things has stolen the secrets to how to, has stolen the coordinates to Superman's Fortress of Solitude from David Cicla, Cicla, aka the Boy Thunder, which is Superman's sidekick. Very interesting plotline with that. Very interesting plotline. I'm actually a little bit sad that this plotline ends in this issue because having Superman with a sidekick is very intriguing. But um, yeah, going forward and whatnot, this is a this is an okay issue. It's not super good. It's not super bad. It does set the standard for a potential reemergence of Davis Heikla and what his future could be. And it may or may not also be written by Wade in the future because of what Wade does in this issue. I'm being really not for I'm being really not forthcoming with this. But yeah, anyway and whatnot. The key, which is a villain, and the key is inside of the Fortress of Solitude during a during something that is somewhat sad. I won't say what it is, but let's just say somebody's going to lose something. But the day is saved, and how it ends, like I said, I won't be surprised if Mark Wade does something with this ending in a different series. I'm all for it. I want to see how it plays out. I'm good and I'm Gucci for it. I will say one of the highlights is when the key when the key unveils his assistants, which are other supervillains. Like they're supervillains that I've never seen outside of one. And it's Zebra Man. I'm like, oh wow, it's Zebra Man. That is that is such so that is such a blast from the past. It's so weird to see it. Cause I wanna say Zebra Man is from the Golden or Silver Age of Comics. He was a Batman villain, and Batman essentially stole his stripes. That's it. It's just something very fun to see. But this is a three point five out of five. Uh, moving forward, we have the next installment in Batman One Bad Day. We are focusing on Bane. Now, this is an interesting um, One Bad Day story. 
due to it being Bane is older, he's more tired, and when you read it, it reads like he's reliving his glory days, but it's in a very reluctant style. He gets inf- he comes across information that the drug that he's always been using since he became Bane, which is the drug Venom, is back in production. When he finds that out, he actually dons his old, I don't know what, he dons his old wrestler mask and he actually sets out with the person who told him it, with the person who told him about the um, reproduction of the drug to stop production. So he works with the person who told him that Venom was being reproduced to stop it from happening again. And the reason for that is because him and ba- you find out that Batman and Bane, way back then, made a deal where Bane was going around destroying all the um, Venom productions. And his entire thing was, I right, well, I see what this drug does to people. I see what it's done to everybody else. I'm just getting rid of it. So Batman and Bane, they team up. And it echoes a bit of the... What was that? Alright. So it's... It's a bit of an echo when you're reading the story. It's very interesting to see how Bane has gone from this ruthless villain to somewhat of a hero. And it's also more interesting, at least to me, to see that Bane, along with this kid that he's working with, their relationship echoes a bit of the Batman and Robin relationship. Well, I guess I should say it echoes more of the Bruce Wayne and Ward relationship. But um, this doesn't feel like it fits in with the One Bad Day ideology series, with One Bad Day idea, because One Bad Day is that, according to Joker, everybody just needs that one day where you're pushed to the brink and you wind up like him. This story doesn't feel like that, in my opinion. Maybe it feels like that to other people, but it is what it is with me on this one. I will say this is a 3.5 out of 5. It's interesting. It's good. I don't mind it. It just doesn't personally fit in what I'm thinking it fits in with. Uh, Moving on, we have Black Adam, issue number 7. I don't know how to explain this because Christopher Priest writes in a very specific manner that you have to read it for Black Adam. But I'm pretty sure if I read his um, his Deathstroke run, I could explain it. But with Black Adam, it's something you have to read. I will say the one thing that I can explain out of this is you have White Adam, who is the descendant of Black Adam. He finally gets a actual superhero name, which is called Bolt. But people are people are confusing him with the 
Bolt cartoon movie that came out way back when. So I'll say that is interesting. I actually prefer him being called Bolt over him being called White Adam. Because White Adam is a horrible name for a superhero. But Bolt, that works out wonderfully. I still do not like Malik White. I'm sorry to say it. I just don't like him. But he actually is coming into his... He's filling his shoes as a hero in this issue. There's also a very cool team up with Mirror Master. So I want to see how that... I, I like that. Uh, this is 3 out of 5. So next up we have GCPD, The Blue Wall. Issue number 4. Now this has been good. I will say that. This has been good. John Ridley, if you know who he is, as a comic book writer, he's... Like, I read his Batman series featuring Jace Fox. I enjoy them. His current Batman series with Jace Fox, I didn't really like an arc of it. But that's that. But his Black Panther stuff, so far out of majority of his Black Panther run, I've only hated like two issues. Everything else that he's written is surprisingly very good. And with GCPD, the Blue Wall, he's actually been able to, he's been able to show the mindset that a police officer entered, that, the mindset that a police officer has when they become a police officer, when they're fresh out of the academy and they're trying to figure out who they are in the force. He does focus on he does he does focus in on three very specific characters that are that are meant to be the protagonists, I guess you could say, of the story. But issue number four does flip. Well, issue number three was also flipping it on its head. But issue number four is where it actually finally flips it on its head, and we're now left with two antagonists and. No, we're now left with two protagonists and one antagonist. And how the antagonist vocalizes his thoughts throughout the issue, and if you saw what you saw what he was dealing with in the previous three issues, you start to understand like, okay, I can see why you're uh, why he's going through this. I will say that it echoes like how it's written for the antagonist it's it echoes something i just can't remember what it is but um overall this is 3.5 out of 5 we have batgross issue number 14 that this might be my favorite issue out of this entire run which is saying something because there's 14 issues in total plus an annual yeah plus an annual so with this, this is a mostly silent issue, which essentially means that there's no vo there's no voice bubbles between characters. It just focuses in on one of the Batgirls, aka one of the Batgirls, which is Cassandra Kane. Cassandra Kane is going through all these clues that she has 
to find where the missing Batgirl Stephanie Brown is. Now then, I won't spoil that. It's very good. I enjoy it. What I will say out of this issue, what really intrigued me the most out of it is the artwork. They have a di- I want to say it's a different artist. I'm not 100% sure, but I think it's a different artist. And how the artist draws throughout this issue, it's accompanied by with neon colors. Well, with neon coloring, and it fits this, it fits Cassandra Kane a lot. Like I said, this is one of my favorite issues. How this plays out is very, it's done beautifully, and I can't wait for issue number 15. This is a 3.5 out of 5. Yeah, 3.5 out of 5. That feels right. Alright, next up we have Titans United Blood Pack. Issue number five. Three out of five. That's all I'm going to say about it. Three out of five. All right. The new champion of Shazam. Issue number four. Which is the last issue in this series. In this miniseries. How do I want to say this? It's enjoyable. I don't... I wish it was longer because it feels a bit rushed. And my biggest takeaway is... I don't know if the ending of this was specifically planned or if it was changed. And I did actually ask um, the writer, Josie Campbell... Um, the question, if this was over, if this was always planned or if it was changed. She didn't get back to me, so I guess I will never know. Or I'll probably just add her again, because I'm actually intrigued to find out how this plays out. Because the ending of this ties into Lazarus' plan. And it ties into Lazarus' planet, Revenge of the Gods, or Lazarus' planet, We Were Once Gods. Which is, I believe, a one-shot. I would have to double-check my um, checklist for Lazarus Planet. But um, this is a three out of five for me. It's very coherent. It wraps up the story in a neat little bow. And I'm okay with that. Stargirl, The Lost Children, issue number three. Hmm. Hmm. I'm happy that Stargirl... And Emiko, the Red Arrow, have found the lost the um lost children. I can't wait to see how it plays out in this, especially with the fact that they have one character that if you read it wasn't JSA, it was something else that came out recently. If you read Flashpoint Beyond, which ties into a one-shot that came out um, a few months back, and then it comes into Stargirl, if you read that one-shot and you see this character that I'm thinking of, that I'm talking about, 
it's interesting to see. No, fuck it. They have this character who is part of a group of people that are called Time Hunters. And the fact that he's there while Stargirl and Emiko are also at this island of lost children, it really does play a factor. And I want to see how it plays out in the next three issues. Because this is a six issue miniseries. I will say this though. When you see the Childminder, I had a what the fuck moment. I had a literal what the fuck moment. I'm like, what the fuck is this? This is nightmare fuel. I do not like this whatsoever. Take this back, put it up, wrap it away. I do not need to see this ever again. And I unfortunately, and unfortunately, I'm going to be seeing it probably in the next issue, probably the next couple of issues. Well, probably within the three issues because only three issues left. But still, I do not like the Childminder, and I hope I never see it on live action. That is the worst idea I will ever tell somebody. Although, seeing the lost children that are ver- that are essentially um the former sidekicks or just kids that were superheroes at the time, and how they're all going around actually explaining who they are, I'm definitely okay with that. I will say the one person that I am most excited to see is the daughter of Jay Garrick, the OG Flash. His daughter is called Boom. And how she explains why her name is Boom is phenomenal, and it works. And I like this. Alrighty then. So, oh, uh, this is a 3.5 out of 5. 3.5 out of 5. So, I believe that is everything. Oh, um, before I forget, if you go to my Twitter account, well, my Twitter account and my Instagram account, both are, it, Twitter account and Instagram account are under the same thing, which is SBS Music underscore HNV. If you go to my Instagram account, is what I had meant to say, you'll see the DC covers that I liked for this week. So, go look at that. Maybe you like the covers too. If you liked any of the stuff that I reviewed today, please let me know. And I'll either review my Marvel selection for tomorrow or I'll review my indie selection for tomorrow. I just gotta see what's what. But, uh, hope you had fun with this. I will see you, hopefully, one more time this week. That's what I can say. Hopefully I'll be here to have another episode. Well, hopefully I'll be here. Yeah, hopefully I'll be here to have one more episode this week. That's what I'm trying to do. Like I said, two episodes a month. And I technically have done two. This is actually episode three. I'm quite proud of myself. So, have a good day. Be safe. And don't let little kids hear this podcast. I cuss a lot. Bye.